Michael Vonnen. Welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek, and in this video I want to talk about the history of the Rohirrim. They didn't always live just north of Gondor in what was once called Calanarthon. They used to live actually in the very far north of Middle-earth between Mirkwood and the Misty Mountains. And there's a lot of history between Gondor and Rohan, or the Rohirrim, before they ever even came to live in what we know as Rohan in The Lord of the Rings. So let's take a look at some of that, and some of it's going to hint toward another video I'm going to do in, a future, in the future about the history of Gondor as well. So let's get going. So as I mentioned, originally the people that we know of as the Rohirrim lived far in the north between Mirkwood and the Misty Mountains, near the source of the river Anduin. And at that point, they were, they had actually lived somewhere slightly different than that even before that. It was, they had lived in Rovanion, which is to the east of Mirkwood. So they had kind of a long history of kind of growing as a people and moving to places where they could find, you know, more land, especially because they loved horses. And so they wanted open plains and lots of territory to, you know, be on horses. I mean, you got to have some room. But uh, the first contacts that are kind of recorded in the appendices to the Lord of the Rings between Gondor and the people of the Rohirrim were between one of the kings of um, Gondor sent his son as essentially an ambassador to m meet with them and try to form an alliance with them because they were a very warlike people. They had a very um, of course, being a very cavalry-based people, they had a very unique military advantage over most other peoples in Middle-earth. So they wanted to form an alliance with them, and it was successful, but it was so successful that the, uh, the son of the King of Gondor actually ended up falling in love with one of the women of the Rohirrim and marrying her without really telling anybody back home until after he went back home. And this ended up leading to some strife within Gondor because there were people who, after the person, the king died and then his son died, his his son, who was now of mixed Numenorean and uh, non-Numenorean ancestry, was kind of looked down on. And this led to what is called the kinslaying. And that's something I'm going to handle in a video later on the history of Gondor, but it just marks the importance of the relationships of these two peoples. Basically, after that point, the relationship between them is basically okay, because eventually it all kind of works out. But it was really rough for a little while. Um, but in the meantime, they have this alliance. They don't really you know, need it a whole lot for certain periods, but even after the fall of Sauron, there are significant you know, wars that Gondor gets involved in, that, you know, they ended up needing help a few times. Eventually, a time came when there was a huge group of people that came from the east and attacked uh, Gondor, and at that point, you ended up... It, this is after the kings of Gondor died out. It was, at this point, under the rule of the stewards. So the stewards sent uh, north for aid from the Rohirrim, and at this point, it's Aeoril the Young, who is... If, if you've seen the movies or read the books, you know, you you sometimes hear the Rohirrim called the Aerolingus. That's a reference to the fact that they kind of claim him as the start of their time in Rohan, because what happens is 
they call the Gondor calls for aid from Aorl, who was at the time the king, and he sends as many men as he can uh, south to to aid Gondor. They actually do save Gondor's northern army from defeat in the area that is what we know as Rohan, or what was then known as Kalinarthon, and they basically destroy the army of the Easterlings that had almost conquered Gondor's army. So they save them. At that point, the uh, the realm of Kalinarthon, or what we call Rohan, had been really depopulated due to a plague that had happened in recent history. So the steward of Gondor kind of made the decision, well, there's almost nobody living there anyway. These guys are great to have as allies, and there's no sense in having allies that are so far away they might not be able to help us in time. I'm just going to give that land to them. So he gives that to them, and they call it the Mark, and it also becomes known as Rohan, the land of the horse lords. So that's how the Rohirrim actually come to live in Rohan. Uh, a couple of quick extra points about the early days. Aorl the Young, uh, he's kind of famous even before they end up going to save Gondor. He, his father had tried to tame a horse because he was a, a horse tamer. makes sense. It's pretty much what the people do. And this one particular horse he tried to tame threw him and killed him. And Aorl basically, it's hard to say that he wanted vengeance, but, I mean, he, he basically... Um, he went after the horse himself and basically said to the horse, which could understand human speech, apparently, that, you know, you want your freedom, and I I can understand that, but you owe me a wear guild, which you paid attention, you kind of know that term is basically an idea, the idea of if you killed somebody in my family, you owe me a price for that. I mean, Isildur uses the same term of the ring for a wearer guild for his father and his brother. So he basically approaches the horse and tells it that, and the horse actually submits to him. It's like he understands, yeah, I kind of do owe you. Uh, and that is the first of the Mayaras, which are... You know, it's referenced briefly in the movie that um, Shadowfax is one of the Mayoras. And the belief is that the sires of this line of horses were brought over possibly by Orome, one of the Valar, who is the great hunter of the Valar. And ever since then, that line of horses would only carry the kings of Rohan. Now, of course, that trend gets broken when you get Gandalf and Shadowfax, but that's another story. Another interesting thing about the really early days of Rohan, after they set up their kingdom, one of the uh, sons of one of the early kings, it might even have been Aorl's son, I don't remember exactly, tries to go through the paths of the dead, and he never comes back. And probably this is the, the, the skeleton that Aragorn and his friends find, if you read the book, you doesn't really get mentioned in the movie, but there's a skeleton that's trying to apparently claw the wall at some point, and the belief is that's that's who that is. And it was kind of just a foolish dare type thing. He just got up one day at a feast and said, I'm going to go do this, and that didn't work out so well. So anyway, that's how they came to Rohan. That's kind of who they are. There's a couple of other important events that I want to talk about as well that happened later in their history with their alliance with Gondor, so let's talk about that. So for a long time, the alliance, of course, holds up between Gondor and Rohan. 
There comes a point, though, where the alliance, though it's still in force, doesn't really buy either of them much of anything. There's a period that's called the Long Winter, and just before that, Helm Hammerhand, who was at the time the King of Rohan, was having some dealings with the Dunlandings, and the Dun Dunlandings were people who had kind of been forced out of Rohan when Kyrian, the steward of Gondor, gave that land to the Rohirrim, and they never really liked the Rohirrim because of this, and they're the same people that Saruman later recruits to uh, help his Urukai overrun Rohan. So, I mean, this group has kind of a long-standing enmity with uh, the Rohirrim, and at one point, one of them is trying to basically win Helm Hammerhand's daughter so that they can kind of get in good with him, and... I, Long story short, Helm Hammerhand is having none of it because they're not being especially nice about it. And he basically kills the leader of the Dunlandings. Shortly after that, the Dunlandings attack, and it's during the long winter, Helm Hammerhand retreats to the fortress that we know of as Helm's Deep. And basically, they end up in a siege situation. It's, you know, there's just snow and ice everywhere. It's it's a really horrible winter. I mean, like, people in the farther north, like in the Shire, I mean, tons of people just die because it's just that bad. And it gets really bad, too, in Rohan. Helm is basically stuck with his army to the point of near starvation in Helm's Deep. And because of the starvation, Helm at different points kind of, you know, out of desperation will actually leave the fortress and go out alone and try to kill people and find food. And he's the reason he's called Helm Hammerhand, he's a big, strong guy. And people are legitimately afraid of him. I mean, the story goes basically that he would he would blow his horn and then the Dunlandings would essentially just run away because they know he's coming out and he's such a dangerous guy all by himself that they don't want to be caught anywhere around when he shows up. And then this happens several times during the long winter, and eventually there's one day where he blows the horn and goes out, but then he never returns. And then later, his his people come out, and it he literally froze to death out in the open, and that's that was the end of Helm Hammerhand. And he was the last of that line of kings, and after that, a new line of kings, which is where Theoden's line comes from, gets started. So... It's a really interesting period, and that's why you've also got kind of a, there's kind of a haunting story behind the Helm's Deep Fortress. There's the idea that Helm still wanders that area, and you can sometimes hear his horn even if nobody's blowing it in, in the, the deep. And of course, that's also why there is still a horn there that's called Helm's Horn. I mean, if you've seen the movie, even Theoden references this, he says the horn of Helm Hammerhand will sound in the deep one last time. They're referring to Helm's Helm's own horn. I mean, it's there in the deep, in the, the fortress, and that's what Gimli sounds, and it's the way it goes in the, the book is a little more interesting than in the movie because it points out the fact that when he blows the horn, it starts echoing off the different walls of all the mountain range that they're in, and it sounds like there's this huge army, not just this one horn blowing. So, there's there's a lot of backstory and history to that to that little episode in Lord of the Rings that goes all the way back to this story about Helm Hammerhand. So 
it makes for a lot more interesting and, and a deeper a deeper understanding of that story. So that's kind of one of the other major instances in the history of Rohan. Now let's just kind of wrap up a little bit. So to wrap up, I want to talk about just a few kind of random stray events that aren't really that important hugely for the main timeline, but do have some interest. Before the Rohirrim ended up moving into Rohan at the at the uh, request of Kiri and the steward of Gondor, um, one of the older kings, um, or his son rather, was named Fram, and he was famous mainly for killing a uh, a dragon that lived in the far north. This would, of course, have been long before Smaug. And the that particular dragon had also stolen, as they often do, treasure hordes of the dwarves. So the dwarves, of course, wanted their gold back after the dragon died, and Fram basically sent them a a necklace made of the dragon's teeth and said, you can have this instead because this is harder to come by. Dwarves, of course, took this as a huge insult and killed him. Uh, and for that reason, the Rohirrim and the dwarves have never really gotten along well. So, I mean, this kind of, again, this doesn't have any huge timeline plot importance, but it does kind of give you an idea of why Aomer might have had a little more than typical animosity for Gimli whenever he finds Aragorn Gimli and Legolas just kind of roaming around in the plains of Rohan. Another interesting thing, for most of the history of Rohan, they had their own language, and I mean, they still do at the time of the Lord of the Rings, but in the Lord of the Rings, we just see them talking the normal common speech that everybody else speaks. Why is that? Well, Theoden's father, Thingol, had actually lived in Rohan, I mean, Gondor for a good while, and married uh, a woman from Gondor as his wife, and because of his time in Gondor and because of his marriage, at that point, the the speech of Gondor kind of became the household speech of of the the king of Rohan. I mean, not not nationwide, but you know, within the royal household, it, it became common to speak common speech. So that's why that ends up being uh, why why they walk in there, and it's not just a bunch of people speaking the the language of the Rohirrim when Gandalf and the company arrive. So. But not everybody thought that was a great thing, which, you know, again, kind of makes sense. They always have had their own culture, their own language, and they're, they tend to kind of stick to it. And that's that one issue where Gondor and Rohan haven't always gotten together is kind of mixing cultures. But um, in terms of military alliance, they've always gotten along basically just fine, other than, like I said, that one issue that I'll get into in a later video. Uh, so apart from that, you've got... A lot of different random stray things. There's uh, different heroes, different stories about what kings did. Most of them are pretty minor. Uh, the main thing really after that it, that I want to touch on that isn't really developed in the movies but is a little more developed in the book but even still not very developed, you have Theodred, who is Theoden's son, who is killed in the early battles between the Rohirrim and um, the Dunlendings and orcs that are being in, that are being kind of pushed by Saruman to invade Rohan. You don't really. It, it's kind of almost just an aside whenever it's mentioned. But Theodred actually was going to be king. He was a marshal of the Mark. Um, Aomer would have been second after Theodred in terms of the four marshals that 
ran different parts of Rohan. And of course, when Theoden dies, Theoden no longer has an heir. In fact, that was his only son. Uh, Eowyn and uh, and Eomer are sons of his older sister, and that's why he's got, you know, Eomer ends up becoming king after that, that he's his nephew. So, I mean, it's just kind of a, it's there in The Lord of the Rings. It's just not really well developed. They don't spend a whole lot of time on it, which is not really necessary to spend a lot of time on. But um, the idea being, of course, that when Theodred dies, I mean, even Theodred's death was in a way sort of avoidable and it's kind of a tragic event because it, it happens partially because Theoden is kind of under the sway of Wormtongue and not really paying attention to the things he ought to be paying attention to as king. So it's just kind of an interesting way that it all plays in and of course it sort of plays on his guilt and, and but it doesn't he doesn't let it ruin him or reduce him to impotence luckily but it's a it's an episode that definitely it brings to an end uh, the second line of the Kings of Rohan and Eomer becomes the start of the third line. And, of course, Aragorn and Eomer renew the alliance of Gondor and Rohan, and it mentions in the appendices that they often go to war together against uh, the Easterlings and those who are still out there who are enemies of Gondor. So... It's a long-lived alliance, and it, it implies even in the in the appendices that the alliance lives on much longer after the end of the story. So that's a basic history of Rohan and the Rohirrim, where they come from, what their importance is. So let's wrap up. So I hope you enjoyed learning a little of the history of the Rohirrim and how they came to Rohan and some of the major events in their history. If you want to learn more about Tolkien or the other works Lord of the Rings, Silmarillion, The Hobbit, or anything else, stick around to the channel. Please like this video. Subscribe if you want to learn more. You can also follow me at Twitter at JRRTLore. Until next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek, signing out from the Tol for the Tolkien Lore channel. Namariye.